Welcome back to the Heavy Hole. I'm Tom. And I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. And tonight we have a very special guest. We have Chris Basile from Pyrexia. Yeah, special. Long Island's legendary classic death metal band. I came in on a small yellow bus. That's what they're saying. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Chris? Thanks for coming down. All right, thank you guys. You got a nice setup. I'm real impressed down here. It's beautiful. Thank you. I I have to live down here. Well, yeah, so I, I, I just do it. You know, I can live down here when you have to. Nice couch. You know? Don't get too comfortable. That's for the dog. Hey. <laughs> so, Chris, thanks for coming down, man. You you're the guitarist, originally the bass player of uh, Pyrexia from Long Island. Let me know if I got that right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um. Uh, we're just going to start off, man. We want you to give a kind of a history of your, uh, your, your involvement in the death metal scene, but even going back further, man, I know you're born in Brooklyn, right? Born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how long did you live in Brooklyn before they, they, they trucked it out to Long Island? 12 years. 12 years old. So you were 12 years old in Brooklyn. Yes. And then you moved there. So you, so it's, so it's safe to say you got a little bit maybe of your foundation of music and things like that oh, out, yeah, out there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Growing up. First so, five or six albums I ever got when was in that time era. What were they? <laughs> I got I got a good history, man. It's crazy because I love all kinds of music, but you got to remember these were the things that were, you know, radio. If it was on the radio, you heard it back then because it was only three stations or you know. The first thing ever, which this one was more for the artwork, was uh, Kiss Destroyer. <laughs> that was in '76, I think, or '78. That was that was the first album I asked for, and uh, I had a little tape recorder. My father made me side one. He never recorded side B for me, but uh, I got side A from Destroyer when I think I was five years old. But then it's uh, pretty tight, though. Yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, it was, it that's was, you know, rock and roll. It was Gene, yeah. you know. But then this was how we made a, a hard left. Was uh, Devo, Whip It. Oh, all right, <laughs> Dude, all right, all right. Devo, Whip It got me, man. Wow. Yeah, it struck me, and uh, I had that album. I didn't dig any of the other songs on it, but I, I listened to it. Uh, Blondie was big for me back then for a minute, and then uh, what do you call it? Grandmaster Flash or, or Sugar Hill Gang, man. You know that that shit. Yeah. That shit hit me and and. Uh, you know that's how it started. It didn't get metal till uh, probably middle school, and then it then it then it, again it was the artwork of Iron Maiden that sucked me in. Yeah, and then I went down the Maiden hole and loved every album. And getting into metal is kind of it's a strange right. off the bat, right? You so, know, like you come out and you're coming out of your mom, and you're so soft, and you grow <laughs> up, and you're still softer, still soft, you know. But then, like, you're looking for something hard, though. You're looking for something <laughs> exactly. You know, once you get pushed down the hill, find the edges, right? You, you know, get a like, couple bumps and bruises. Yeah. You then know? you start looking. So it's like after like 13, 14, you know, like the artwork then, sucks you in, you know. Exactly. The artwork sucks you in. It did for me, yeah. especially in the early days. Uh, the covers would match the, the music. You know, there was if you if you like the cover. Uh, more than likely, you like the music that was on that record. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw the Butchered at Birth album cover on a cassette tape that a friend of mine had when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade. And at that point I was I was into like Iron Maiden. I was into, you know, those those bands that are a little bigger, man. And I was really into horror movies all my life as a kid, man. Always. And Butchered at Birth just put the horror movies and the heavy metal. Yeah. One plus one is yeah. two, man. Yeah. And it yeah. clicked right from there, you know. I mean it scared me as a kid too. <laughs> it was Halloween time when I saw that Butchered at Birth and read the lyrics, <laughs> man. Oh my God. You end, know. Of, end of day, like shit's not for kids, but Yeah, no, but of course. If course. you're curious, it's for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. It's, it's you know, it was it was like I was saying before, man, you you never um you know, you never hear that one death metal album where you're like, all right, that's it. I'm done with death metal now. You know, I, I solved the mystery. No. You know, it's it's just this wormhole you go down. You know, it's the heavy hole you go down. It's like books. Yeah. They're like all different books. You know? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, Chris, at what point does the fascination with music turn into I got to play a musical instrument? Is that still in Brooklyn? No, no, no. That so, was uh, further on. So the family moves out to Long Island. Where in Long Island did the family settle in? East of Talkett. East of Talkett. East of Talkett. So yeah. out east. I went to, uh, I went to Julinus Junior oh. High School. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. And and at what point do you pick up an instrument? That would be probably around the age 15. Four. Oh, pick up an instrument probably the age of 13, 14. That's when I started playing guitar. That was just okay. in the bedroom doing like ACDC covers and, uh, you know, Metallica covers and things like that. Jimi Hendrix, Zeppelin, Maiden, Judas Priest, doing all that stuff by myself. But when I was about 15, when I got into high school... That's when uh, that's when I hooked up with other musicians and started like jamming and stuff. That was gonna be my next question. At that point, are you kind of like when you when you're out to talk it now, the kid from Brooklyn? Are you like the outcast? Yeah. Are there a lot of other metalhead kids? Do you no. get along with them? Uh, at first, that no, that's exactly. And I have the same friends I have now that I did then because uh, there was only a few of us. It was like a very jock oriented school. A lot of uh, athletics. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm not I'm not a huge guy. I wasn't making I wasn't making the football team. Uh, so uh, I just gravitated towards music, you know. It was more like uh, back then. It was more like a Jock Dirk bed thing, you know. It was like the movies <laughs> back then, you know. <laughs> Jean Jack is on one side and like football jerseys on the other. But uh, yeah, music was kind of a big thing in my high school. There was huge murals of Jimi Hendrix and uh, mm-hmm. the Doors, Zeppelin, and yeah, I just gravitated towards music and uh, started jamming with a couple people, and it, it just kind of took off. Some people from your circle, if I'm not mistaken, would go on to be members of other Long Island bands and members of Pyrexia. Then, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, what? Are, who are some of the people that you grew up with that, that fans of death metal might be familiar with? Well, the first, the, the, the impetus to bring everybody together. To be honest, nobody even knows him. We used to call him the Pope. Uh, it's this guy Mike Florio. Uh, he played drums, and he was in my school, and we were out in this thing called the Smoke Shed. You're allowed to smoke cigarettes out in my school back then. Even if you were 15. They back allowed, when they gave a shit about yeah, people. <laughs> back when they cared about you. You could smoke cigarettes as long as you did it in this smoke shed area. So we were out there, and uh, he's like, yeah, I heard you play guitar. You want you want to jam? So we start jamming, and we start doing like hardcore songs and death metal songs, and we like the same stuff. Not really death metal songs, I should say. It was hard, hardcore songs and Slayer songs. And I had some original material, so we started writing some material together. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yo, he goes, I got, I know this other person who's like, you know, he writes music, he's great, this guy's be, forget about it. And uh, he goes, you gotta, you gotta meet him, we gotta jam. And it, it wound up being Terrence Hobbs. And, uh, great pick. Yeah, you know, they, they were jamming and they had songs written. And the thing is, that's really crazy is, a year before I met Mike, I had gone into this place called East of Eden with some other friends that I was with, Doug Bone. And because he had a car again, I'm like 15 and we go into this place and slights this band is playing a Slayer song. And there's this dude playing uh, the Kerry King soul, this black dude with glasses and his hat backwards playing the Kerry King soul exact perfect to a T. I had no idea who he was or who they were. I'm like, wow, this band is great. But I was there to see this other band, Triple Six, these friends of ours. So I hadn't even seen it for that whole time. And then uh, this guy, Mike Florio, hooked us up, and we started jamming and writing songs together, and uh, we wound up calling ourselves Mortuary and just writing all kinds of stuff. So that's how that started, early high school days, and uh, yeah, just started jamming. And then uh, where, where well, you said Doug Bone. That's Doug who would later play in Suffocation on Pierced From Within. Yes. And would later play in Pyrexia, amongst other yeah, things, yes, too. Yes, yes, true. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and, and at what point does Guy come in? Guy... He comes in much later uh, after I stopped jamming with Hobbs and Smith and those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to go to Smith Haven Mall <laughs> and go to Time Out where the video games were. and Everybody would hang out and uh, musicians would be up there. And Guy and this guy Todd were handing out these business cards that said suffocation, death metal. 
and uh, that's so rad that's so fucking rad that's way cooler than like that twitter game yeah that was the original twitter yeah Yeah. Yeah. personal twitter in in person man. and uh i think that's how he hooked up with josh barron and frank mullen Mm -hmm. and that's how he came into the picture and they were jamming with this kid brian kootner but the problem was back then uh nobody including the pope who we originally jammed with and even including doug bone back then could play death metal except for Mike Smith. He was the only person on Long Island that could play death metal. So what had happened was uh, Mike Smith used to go to Longwood High School, and we were jamming uh, uh, with him after the Pope couldn't play the music we were writing, and neither could Doug Bone. So Terrence met up with Mike Smith. We started jamming with him, and we called ourselves uh, psychotic at first. And Mike Smith was going to Longwood High School at the time, and they had a battle of bands. But you had to have, I think, three, two or three members had to be going to the school to in, order, in order to play it. Okay. So me and Hobbs went in on the aliases of kids that went to the school because we didn't go to that school. <laughs> and we and we played the Longwood Battle of the Bands. It's psychotic. That was like, like the first show I ever played in my life. And uh, it was Hobbs on guitar. I was on guitar, actually. This dude, Jay Fligman, was on bass, and uh, Smith was on drums. And we played songs that, you know, later on would be on Suffolk albums and Pyrexia albums. But again, we were in high school. Smith was 17. Uh, yeah, I was, I was probably about 17 years old when we played that show. And uh, we jammed for a couple of years and wound up splitting up. And that's when Guy came into the picture with those suffocation business cards. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking cool. So at what point uh, does Pyrexia become a, become a band? I know there's a 1991 demo, right? Well, what happened was, guy again, his chops. Hobbs was right. You better be able to play if you're going to play with Hobbs and Cerrito. Hobbs, all right, and that's what happened at first because Cerrito had stepped out. Me and him were trying to find a drummer, couldn't find a drummer. Uh, you had to go to Smith. Smith was the on- was the only drummer that's going to play the shit we were writing. So Hobbs and Guy were playing with Smith, and Guy just could probably at the time couldn't keep up. Obviously, later he can, but at the time, you know, going back, teenage years. Uh, he couldn't keep up, yeah. so Cerrito stepped back into the picture. So Guy still, you know, of course, wanted to play, so he started, you know, with Pyrexia. He wrote a couple of his songs on the demo, and he tried to start and get members together and met up with Daryl, and they made a little four-track, you know, two-song thing in their house, and then he would just pass it around at shows and try, you know, try to find people that way. So it is interesting, though, like you said before, like uh, Guy wasn't keeping up with the playing but there is that like learning curve that i noticed in my own playing at like the age of 19 sure. 20 and shit right where that's like where you actually figure out how to play yeah but also hobbs is a prodigy I mean, hobbs is a prodigy <laughs> no no that's like, like playing with jesus or something yeah. no, you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh you ever see that the crossroads with the devil went down to texas or whatever, no, whatever <laughs> the they do, you know, yeah, yeah man you play yeah. with hobbs you can play with the devil oh yeah he is and there's always going to be someone better than you out there but yeah. i guess like normalizing what what you're saying about guy like when he when he was wasn't keeping up, it's just like, of course, he's he's young. Right. We're talking you know, about teenagers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. this is right. You know, dude can like like I've seen suffocation a whole bunch of times. No, like, he could play. Dude, now it's play. a different world, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, this is uh, teenage. It's interesting how yeah, it's funny. how people when they take their instrument more seriously, they right. skyrocket yeah. and become. Yeah. You got to get over that home. What's what's yeah, exactly. really interesting? A lot. Somebody pointed out to me what's a lot of these albums we as like '90s brutal death metal fans worship. Uh, you know, me being, I'm like. 
36 right now, man. We worship these albums that were recorded by guys who were like 19, 20, 21 in a younger, lot of cases. Yeah, younger, 18, 19. You know what I mean? A lot of these classic Hallmark albums of death metal came out when people were in their early 20s and they were really unrestrained. Teens, and, yeah. You know, not, just just doing it for um for the love of it, you know? But, oh, yeah, um, no. We used to, getting signed was never even thought about. It was just a tape recorder in the back of the room and then go uh, do things in the backyard and listen to it. It's amazing. I think it's so opposite now. Way we, opposite. We, the whole goal just now. Like, the goal gotta is, get signed. Gotta exactly. get it. Yeah. Right? Like, can't, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's gotta, it's first, gotta be produced X way and it's gotta be like. The first recording yeah. a lot of bands do sounds pristine, you know, there's no, there's no demo level, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, does that about bring us up to like the 1991 Pyrexia demo? Like you joined the band and, or, or were you on that demo or was that the, uh, um, one? Yeah, definitely. I was on that demo. Uh, I, I noticed, I noticed looking it up, Wallace Milton drew the cover. Isn't that yeah. the original singer of IB? He is. He Our is. Original singer of Internal Bleeding, Wallace Milton. Wallace was good. We used to have some funny, funny, hysterical, great times with Wallace. Guy, uh, introduced me to him in the earliest of days. He used to just come and hang out. We had a couch down there. We used to, you got to understand, again, teenagers, so we're living with our parents, all of us, going to the studio, you got away from everybody, that was like home, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you lived there, that was like, you know, that was really getting away from things. All your free time. Yeah, that yeah. was it, we stayed there, so that was like our place, so that was the hangout, and Wallace would come down there and hang out, and amazing artist, so he used to draw some pictures, and he drew the, he drew the logo, and uh, he drew our first demo cover as well. He drew the entire, uh, all the artwork on the demo cover. He he drew first, too. And, uh, yeah. Is he one of those guys that just kind of dropped out of death metal and started doing something else with his life at one point? I don't know where he is, man. uh, You know, things get crooked, you know, so I don't know. A lot lot of people come and go through the scene through the years. You know, it happens, man. Now, another thing I I picked up, uh, uh, looking up stuff about Pyrexia to to bother you with tonight, Frank Reaney, Uncle Frank, uh, interviewed you uh, five years ago. And he had a little anecdote. He said that you almost fought him because his brother was heckling you guys at some old show way back in the day. That might have happened. You remember that? I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you forget well, Uncle Frank? Well, fr- yeah, Frank wrote about it when he was interviewing you. I think he's over it, man. He seemed pretty jovial oh, yeah, yeah, you know, when we saw him. So. Now, you know, back then. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> youth going wild, you know? <laughs> No, no comment. No, oh no, no, no! It was, I, it was just, uh, it was a I mean, funny the time. The statute you know? limitations probably out on that. Yeah, so. no, it was, I can't even remember what it was, but I remember yeah. we were going back and forth about something. And was, you know, what was? Uh, I, do you remember? What, do you remember what club it might have been at? Man, definitely gonna, at the Roxy. Yeah, I was going to ask you yeah. about Sundance and about yeah. the Roxy in that era. Um, a lot of a, a lot of my friends uh, who are a little bit older than me talk about it. I was just just too young to uh, get in, into the Roxy during all those shows. And then when I got into older death metal, I got older, I got into death metal, it closed down. But it's right here in Huntington yeah. where I grew up, man. Is there any any recollection from that era, man? What was it, was it like? Great. It was great, man. I mean, Sundance was better. Sundance was a, like a magical time, definitely. Uh, but uh, the Roxy was definitely a great place, too. Like It was a step up club-wise, but uh, it was like uh, it was definitely when times were changing, uh, like there was more clubs where, like, I don't want to call them discos, but like, uh, you know, just clubs, like, you know, with Guidos and stuff we go to and stuff. Right, like no stage, just a little DJ booth. Yeah, DJ booths, yeah, nightclubs, like, whatever you want to call I don't even yeah, know what the to call Yeah, the biggest fucking dance floor that you can get fucked up on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that stuff, you know, then, you know, that, that kind of t- swept in. And uh, the Roxy was good and some great shows there. Life of Agony, I remember, you know, in particular, which is an amazing show there, but played a lot of shows there. Good times. Yeah, definitely great. Wish it was still around. What about um like uh was the scene here on Long Island 
uh, comparable to the scene out in New York City? Uh, would, like, would a lot of bands hit New York City and Long Island on their tour and things you, like you that? Get, you get everybody at the Rocks. You, he got all the nationals that came through. Cause, yeah, because nowadays it seems harder and harder to get the nationals. It's coming back a little bit with clubs like Revolution and Amityville Musical, but you don't really see a lot of the nationals coming out this way so much. I could hit. romanticize the guy, uh, Frank Cariola, because it was a youth thing, but I'm thinking in my mind, I mean, he used to book our shows as, as I was a child, and uh, he just always reminded me like the old Italian... Uh, you know, he had the connections and stuff. Yeah. I, I just think Carrie. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, like I said, in my mind, Cariola, uh, I, I, I love the guy. I wish he was still doing stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah all the all the bands used to come through his his clubs. Cool man. What what about um, uh, rehearsal and recording studios on Long Island? Are any of those places still around? Like what what or what areas were you you know frequenting to that do that? That was tough. That's how we wanted to record at Sabella, which is like was like a rap studio, just because he was the only place that had a good good equipment you know is that for sermon the mockery yeah. you it's about yeah. now, you did <clears throat> i love the way that album sounds by the way i appreciate I, it i was like yeah, i was gonna ask you, you you know you recorded a sermon of mockery was that you said it's more of like a hip-hop studio or something yeah, at yeah. The time? Uh, so, public enemy did uh fear of a black planet there huh. and uh ll cool j did his first record there when he was like 16 or 17 <laughs> and there's a bunch of other things that that came out of that, that have nothing to do with that we were definitely the first and close to probably the last death metal band to ever come out of there did you know someone at the studio we or something just literally back in the days if you remember good times and stuff there was ads we were just checking out every studio oh okay yeah. good times the, the free newspaper that yeah. they have at all the record stores yeah. and studios and we yep. jammed on willis avenue and that was on it still is on willis avenue and he just had a ridiculous you know recording studio it sounds it you know like yeah. from from 93 it doesn't sound like a 93 recording in a lot of ways right right like no, it sounds a little like it it's a timeless recording you know what i mean oh, hey, I it's hard that. to date it's awesome no, i appreciate that it, was, you yeah. know, it sounded weird back then that's another thing it's weird how time you know ages things night you know it's all you gotta let history judge rather than judging at the moment exactly yeah, yeah but i think that one really stands up like yeah no i i can't i can't disagree so sermon of mockery comes out in 1993 on drowned productions yes that from this the uh, spanish record label from from uh, spain hard vinyl which would, uh, that's Dave, that's Dave Rodden who would later uh, from Avulse he did Repulse Records but that was Drown Productions before he got into that right correct yeah and I'm sorry not to cut you off you said a vi- vinyl hard vinyl that yeah. was like the parent company or something oh okay yeah. okay yeah. alright and what what was the reaction when it came out like in the death metal scene were people terrible oh wow okay because because nowadays obviously we know the the um the legacy see left. people don't understand and that's yeah. why as a young person that's why I made a lot of you know you have to you really got to stand out people don't understand it uh, as a, from a listener's perspective but uh when sermon came out and again this really as a young person uh, took this to heart because I jammed for years with Hobbs and years with Cerrito and years with Smith uh, all they said was it was a suffocation clone and it was garbage and uh you know, just because there was nothing else to compare it to. It came from the same town, same city, and uh, that's that's that was the perception. If you could come and bring every magazine back from back then, Suffocation Clone was what we were. Now that you, it's ridiculous to hear that now with so many clones that use literal cepho rhythms and you know steal it blatantly. And now that's the thing to do. That's the that's shit. That's the thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Back yeah. then, there was nothing. You know, you had Deicide, Morbid Angel, Suffo. We come in there like these guys are clones and and that was that I, I know Broken Hope also got a lot of flack for being uh, quote unquote cannibal corpse you know clones saying? there was nothing to when they came to. out yeah you know it's there's some yeah, sometimes when the um the pool is that small anybody yeah. with a certain type of and talk about purists vocal style back then it was like you know people were super pure about how shit had to be 
and uh, which definitely hurts the artist. Well, you know, just through word of mouth. It shit, pushes like. him though. It put you know it pushed me to do different things, but uh, yeah, I think so, man. You know, it hurts the feelings. <laughs> I tell you that much. Yeah. Oh, but, I'm uh, sure. And also, comparing is just the cheap way of analyzing music, really. Like well, it's kind of natural. Think about it. I get it. You know what I'm saying? It, it is, is cheap. It is natural, but we're not. It's not really considering the music. No, you're right. You're it's, right. It's considering what the music could be. You hope you hope people approach it like that, and there are enough people that do, and that that's still the people I'm going to try to uh, connect with. The people that are trying to feel the music. And I did that when I was younger. Like I know, growing up. Yes. That I did that. Like I would compare things a lot, and now I try not to. And like, yeah, not that I don't compare, but it's no, but not yeah. my first go-to you on how as I listen. As a musician, I, I urge anyone who's listening to this. That's what you do. I agree. I know, yeah. but as a young person, like it's uh, hard. Me too. Yeah. Bite, bite your tongue oh, and boy. just learn. Yeah. Listen, when I was listening to, to listen, the yeah. earliest days when Slayer was the heaviest thing out there. If you listen to Metallica, I thought you were a poser. I was like, don't go on. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. thought it was, and I was like that. If it sounded anything like Megadeth, I couldn't get into them until like 10 years ago. Like, I wasn't allowing myself. I was like, no, I can't. There's a, there's a lot of bands like that. I'm, I'm from uh, from the 90s, and there's a lot of stuff that I, I didn't allow myself to really get into because I was already so much into brutal death metal and yeah. underground, you know, tape trading and things like yeah. that. When my friends were trying to play me Slipknot, Right. You know, I'd, I'd just be like, what? You know what I well, mean? Corn. Like, I was I, way beyond corn. People yeah, if it wasn't corn. on a photocopied tape, I wasn't, okay. you know, trying to hear it back then. But I, now I can listen to a lot of different things and yeah. appreciate what was going on. And I think that's what's great, too, about Sermon of Mockery is, and, and uh, other things is that now, in hindsight, you know, the death metal scene realizes it was a regional movement. You know, it's pyrexia, it's internal bleeding, it's suffocation. There's a lot of uh, uh, other bands that are kind of like, you, you know, not not as um, as big as that that were around back then. And you even got dehumanized out in Queens. It's kind of recognized as this regional scene where everyone plays a part and contributes something, you know. And there's always kind of something to to uh, unlock and, and learn about, you know. And no, and then now we get it, you know. But back then, like you said, what was the reaction then? And, yeah. And that's yeah. what it was, yeah. yeah. Now, something else I wanted to ask you about... Um, we talked about the reaction from the metal scene and everything. What was the reaction from your family members uh, when Sermon of Mockery came out? This is your your first album that you've released, and you've worked at being a musician for these years. And yeah, no, no, no. I come from an old, I guess, Italian family. Uh, they had no understanding. They have no artistic uh, grasp of anything like that. Uh, they thought it was a complete waste of my life. And then again, uh, from the Catholic Italian, you, you show the, the cover of Sermon. My father literally wouldn't look at it. He's like, no, that's garbage. Get that away from me. And to this day, they've never seen a Pyrexia show. And uh, they they definitely hate it. Uh, they still, even like I said, we go all these years later. They have no interest in it. And uh, yeah, no, Sermon of Mockery to them was like, they thought it was like foolish. Now, I, I was really, I thought that was really interesting when you said that your father had taped you the Kiss Destroyer side a because he i mean he must have seen what they look like and what yeah they, no know? i think that's why uh he only gave me side a because he saw how much i liked that so i didn't get side b okay <laughs> I don't know so, you, so your whole part. life you've been trying to make pyrexia side b I may, maybe yeah there you go <laughs> wow wow well, that's so it. that's very poetic there you go. so would <laughs> you would b. you say would you say that 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 is kind of that kind of angst that that might have created has driven you in a way uh i i, I don't i really don't want to say it's driven me but uh because I've done many other things in life that uh, should have proven to them that uh, you can do death metal and you're still not going to throw your life away, that it is a real art form. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, when my friends got inducted to uh, 
Long Island Hall of Fame of music, guys that I used to write with, guys that she would say, I'll, you know, not, you know, I shouldn't be hanging around with. Uh, when you know nothing impacts their view on things, and as you get older, you just see that they're small, and you know they have no accomplishments on their own. Actually, uh, when I look at, at them in perspective of any type of uh, significance or anything that would have any meaning or value other than to, to their own, you know, small bubble of people. Uh, so, in, in essence, you know, they miss out on a lot. You know, it's a small thinking. I don't know if it's the me generation from the '60s. Uh, where it's me, 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 because uh, sometimes I look at them as they're uh, my young children rather than my parents. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to explain things to them. You know, I got kids myself, so I don't see how they don't look at things. I, my kid, she wants to, tell, she makes slime and she wants to make, you know, making the best slime her living. I probably get behind it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We'll figure yeah. out a way to make money with slime. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but, you don't want to box her in. You don't want to box her in, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Maybe it's a generation thing. I don't know. But yet, again, all my friends don't have that issue. So. I, I, I mean, I I, uh, <clears throat> I never had that strong a reaction from my parents, but I come from a very old, old, uh, you know, old school blue collar Catholic family. Right. And um, my dad's, to this day, the only question my dad has about the music is, did you make any money? Oh, that's, you know that was I mean? the main and thing. And that's that, that stuff. That, that, they, I'll tell you, they affected the art of the music because... Uh, yeah, sometimes I would think I, I, I'll tell you a big bad thing that happened once, and this is directly affected to uh, my parents putting money on things. When we put out hatred, anger, and disgust before we put out System of the Animal, I was lucky enough to be talking to Century Media, and uh, they were going to put out our record. And it was the same time Gorguts was getting, uh, not Gorguts, Cryptopsy was getting signed by them, and they weren't signed yet, and. Uh, Suffocation had gotten $25,000 to record their record. So that's like the number in my mind. Like, oh, to be successful, you got to get this. Uh, your parents, you, you got to show them that you can make some real money with this. And uh, Century Media offered us like seven grand to do it. And I was like, no, nah, we need more money. And that was like the stupidest fucking thing I ever did in my life. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if I would have gotten signed to Century Media in 1995, my, everything probably would have got different in my life right now. Yeah. You know, death metal wise. But you were you were trying to uh, show you my were parents, at, You were looking at from their perspective. I was looking at it from their perspective, yeah. man, yeah. not from mine. I remember I was at yeah. my job uh, in a back room talking to uh, goddamn it, I can't remember his goddamn name now. He was the guy at, at Central Media. You know, him. Uh, is it Marco? Ma- is, is it Marco Barbieri? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, my, my brain is fused out, man. I know it's him. I know it's him. I think that is, you yeah. know. And I mean, that's like the guy you want to talk to. And yeah. there's a stupid punk kid. Here I am getting getting uh, the lucky enough to talk to him, yeah. and uh, I'm like, nah, we need more. And uh, what are you fucking kidding me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that again yeah. was again thinking about the parents. Uh, you know, I got to show them I can make you know real career out of this. Career should have no. I know now I should have nothing to do with this. So yeah, yeah they, this, this is uh, the way I look at it. Is it's kind of a side passion that you do. It's not even a side passion. You, you know, know how I speak now. This is if this is your passion and this is what you do. Well, I still got a day job, bro. You got a day job, <laughs> but I have one too. And, I know, I know. And, but I'm even that. I'm going to try to convince you. Uh, I used to. Uh, I, I worked at Carnegie Hall for for almost twenty years. Really? And, yes. That's pretty rad, actually. That's pretty crazy, brother. I met a lot of people there. Yeah. And I met a lot of artists there. Right. And a lot. Of, I met a lot of people that. Uh, dedicate their lives to playing the flute and make nothing or like some Simba b- drum from some other country mm. most of the of the shows at Carnegie Hall mm. of the, on the main stage I'll, I'll tell you who they are and you'll have no idea who they are 
Yeah. But they packed the place, their place out. Cause, and again, it made me realize our death metal is just like a niche of this German fucking drum troupe that's coming in that I have no idea. Do those people make money, though? Like, I don't, no, I don't believe they do. I don't think they do either. I don't do believe either. they do. That's like, my point. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's my I, point. I really appreciate that you brought that up. Right. Like, you know, that's what was keying me off. I'm like, here are these people doing what I do, but just because they wear a tuxedo, but the tuxedo's rented because I see in their, not green room, but they used to have orchestra rooms with all their luggage. You don't want to be living like these people. It's like rough living. You're living out of a box, you know? Making and, maybe 35 right a year tops and you're traveling well i'll give you another i'll give you another they're definitely they're making like that or less i'll yeah. give you the top end the guy rush limbaugh did a uh a show on this and uh used to be on the cover of the daily news constantly the union stagehands make uh at carnegie hall make you know and god bless them they make like three or four hundred thousand a year they make a, a like a ridiculous amount of money yeah. the top top violinist that ever plays at like the philharmonic makes like ninety thousand you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, yeah. here's the guy that's turning on the lights for the people that are going to see the artist that's going to play. He makes 400. The actual behind-the-scene magic. Yeah. That's, that's, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So no, even those people aren't in it for the money. You know? Union's strong. You know, not, yeah, Union's strong. <laughs> God bless. That's what I'm saying. I did it for 17 years. Yeah. Uh, I didn't make that kind of money. But, you know, God bless. I don't take it away from anybody. I'm yeah. just trying to say the artist doesn't make the money. Even at the Carnegie Hall, where you say like that's the best stage to me, it is. You know, it's like the, yeah. the keynote stage in the world. Yeah, uh, they don't make the money. Nobody makes money in art, and then that's not why anybody's in it. Nobody's writing musical art that really writes it. It's a really uh, interesting way of contextualizing death metal artists. Yeah, because it is the same thing. It is exactly, and the it same. might be a little more rowdy on the yep. on the edges. Yep, and to the uh, to the untrained person. It's, it looks so articulate and fancy when you put on it, like I said, the tuxedo. But again, I see behind the scenes that tuxedo comes off. They smell. <laughs> the room stinks. Yeah. Your socks are next to the... I see the pizza boxes stacked up just like when I go play a show. Uh, yeah. I'm serious. And, yeah. and yeah. it's nothing different. And they're not there for the money. Mm. And I see them hanging out. And again, they get to see the world. They're in New York City from Germany. You know, this is great. They mm -hmm. love it. They play Carnegie Hall. That's it. These are accomplishments for them. This is giant for them. Yeah, money amazing, is not man. even thought about. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, start looking at it like that. Come on, man. Traveling. You around. can understand it yes. a little bit. Like, not everyone's a fucking celebrity no. status making that money. Like, or like, cares like to YouTube be. stars or cares like to that. be. Yeah, They're yeah. just there for the experience. That's that, not what everybody mm. wants out of it. Yeah. No, mm. no. Yeah. And if they want it too, like, there's no problem with wanting that. You know. But at the same time, what's more important? You're still going to weigh your options. And why would you play death metal if that's what you want? <laughs> well, all. there you go. Well, you're also, you can want more than one thing. You know, we're yeah, not, we're more not, more we're than not one binary. Thing. You but know? whatever your but passion is, it, you shouldn't fucking diffuse it uh, because you think you have expectations of making a certain amount of money or, you know, certain. Uh, or how are you going to make the money? How are you going to make the money? Because you're talking about a record deal for seven grand. But who knows how you could have flipped exactly. it with the platform that they gave you. But the thing is, you know, you're thinking through your parents' understanding small. who never you're thinking small. never took the, the the time to think about a record label and yep. how that, that business model yep. operates. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like you got to... Uh, I all the time, I end up in a position where I'm trying to explain to my father how, what we do with merchandise when we go on the road and we sell merchandise and how the band works. And, um, you know, you get to a certain point where you're like, he's... 
that's not his bag. That's not what no. he learned how to do. That's not how he supported <laughs> his family all these years. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, I just got to do it and let him know that I'm not. Is. Yeah, I like that. Don't worry. I'm not going into debt. I'm not yeah. I'm not coming back home in, yeah. in a body bag. You and know nobody I mean? gets out alive, though. That's the key right there. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you're going to make. I'm telling you, you're not going to be destitute in America. You could work two jobs, two McDonald's jobs, and you're going to make enough money to support yourself in an apartment. You can do it. I you mean, do it. it's it's and that's hard. If you're wor- that's hard, but you're it's not, you're not going to yeah. die. So if you have the passion, you can do it. You should go for it. You're right. And, like, I don't know. It, it is interesting, though. I'm glad you brought up that comparison of Carnegie Hall. Yeah, man. I, I had no idea you worked there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I would have an idea, but at no. the same time, pretty interesting comparison. It I is. never really even thought of it like yeah. that, but it makes so much sense, yeah. you know? Because nobody's heard of us, and I can tell you, like, again, I'll show you the, uh, the schedule from them. You never heard of any of these people playing... At Carnegie Hall, mm. for the most part, packed out, packed out. Where's all that fucking money? Our, uh, <laughs> autographs, people standing for autographs, people scalping tickets out front. Yeah. You know, straight up crowds. It's fucking wild. Yeah, man. three thousand seat arena, and it's like you know, it ain't cheap tickets either. No, it's it's the most. Right. It's one of the most uh, sought after venues yeah. to play in the world. Yeah, like yeah. hands fucking down. Yeah, that's it. It's phenomenal. All right. Well, so, let's move along. All right. Well, yeah. So uh, you mentioned the hatred, anger, disgust. That was an EP, right? Not an album. Yes, three songs. Yeah, and at that point, you bring in singer Keith DeVito. Yes. Brand brand new style um, of vocals completely. Yep. Yep. And were you are you at that point the only member from Sermon still in the band? Uh, no, not at all. No, it's me, Guy, and uh, me and Guy. Okay, yeah. so it's you and Guy. Yes. New drummer. New drummer. New singer. New guitar player too. New guitar player. Okay, and then and then. Um, then about two years go by, you turn down the Century deal, and then you do System of the Animal? Yeah. And what label does that come out on? Serious Entertainment from Serious Denmark. Entertainment in 1997, right? Yeah. Okay, and and at that point, Guy guy left? He wasn't on System? or? Uh, no, he was not on System. Okay, so so what does Guy do? Did he join Suffocation? Or he, uh, no, he actually had a... He, 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 you know, Guy, I love him. He's my brother. We're going to try to work on something, that, you know, now even. But I think at the time, because again, you're going back when... Uh, you're going through stages in life and nobody's making money you know certain some of your friends are you're not you don't know what you should do and you know he just took a hiatus from death metal for a minute and I also remember seeing him around internal bleeding well, right around then still... after that point he, yeah. that's when he jumped in back with internal bleeding so the band takes on a decidedly more uh, hardcore influence um, yep. I would even say it's like that. a lot of people would say that that's kind of like one of the Albums that laid the foundation for deathcore, whatever you would call that nowadays. But back then, there weren't a lot of bands really blending that element no, of that gritty New York hardcore in with death metal. Um, but you want to talk about that? I mean, like, like yeah. if the reaction to Sermon wasn't wasn't great in the metal scene, <laughs> well, <laughs> the, rea- is it? Is the it? reaction to System of the yeah. Animal in the metal scene must have been beautiful. That's right? what. That's what's. That's why you really can't worry about people. Uh-huh. But uh, that was a different change because I I wanted to do something different. When you come from the same town of suffocation. Uh, you, you you can't do you really shouldn't be doing anything too similar, especially in the early days. If you want to you know if you want to make your mark, you want to try to do something. So we said let's go with a less guttural guy. Let's uh, let's go with some different type of slams. Let's because again a lot of the bands today are using that same format for that slam, which again it's the Suffo slam. If you done, done da da done yes done, done, yes yeah. and I play with a lot of bands and I keep hearing it, and to me it's not authentic. It's not genuine to, to use that. So I'm always trying to do original. It's it's you know sometimes it's my downfall, is I'm striving for to be original and 
uh, that when Suffo plays so many beautiful things, that boxes out a lot of things to play because they've done it. And in my mind, they've done it. It's for them. It's they. They own it. So yeah, we we took a more of a hardcore approach. Which if you saw Hobbs today, uh, the earliest songs I used to play with him, I, I had a lot of hardcoreish songs. Uh, that's definitely been one of my passions. I, I like hardcore. I love death metal. Uh, even on my newest material that no one's heard yet, there's a blend. Uh, I just love the energy of hardcore. Uh, it's definitely, you know, death metal is more head down playing. Uh, you know, you know, in between songs, you really don't say much. Uh, hardcore is like you know, crowd involvement. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of involvement between the singer and and the crowd, between the, the, the members of the band on stage. And I just like I like incorporating that. I noticed that nowadays you still even um, full full disclosure. I, I filled in on vocals for Pyrexia for two weeks uh, a few a few months ago on on tour, and I was um, taught all the different crowd uh, manipulation tactics. You got this, <laughs> the, the wall of death and the you know all the like circle you pits. Put on and, a show, man. You yeah, know, yeah, a, giving out cats. CDs to the people that are going nuts in the pit. And and one thing I you know go, getting into it. I was a little hesitant because that's not how I always mixed it up with my bands, uh, with my stage banter and everything. But once I saw the first night of tour, once I saw how people reacted to it, um, I got really into it, man. It was great and it was a lot of fun, man. It, it, Connect. You know, and and it's funny because I didn't know if it would always go over well. You could play shows where there's not that many people yeah, there. Like some some of those off nights were... worried. Yeah, man. And, and there'd be like 10 or 15 people there and they'll do it, man. They yeah. just want to have a good time. That's the best time, you know? actually, I found when you do it. When there's only 10 or 15 people and you do something like that mm -hmm. and you bring them all on stage and you, you're talking to them and you're hanging with them and you're, you're headbanging with them and everything... The next day, you know, that's where social media does pay off. You're getting all these things. That was the greatest thing I ever did, you know. Made me feel like a kid again if it's an old person or if it's a kid. That's the sickest. That's the first death metal show I ever said. I'm hooked. Or you got a new fan. or Right, yeah. You know, it, it's... I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, live performance is killer. I mean, I, I was at that Kingsland show that you guys did. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. no, 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 we try. We, we enjoy the hell out of it, you know. So that's where that definitely came in, and yeah. it was definitely a conscious thing. When, when you say that you get a lot of, like, you try to bring the joy into it like I, I'll second that as someone who watched you like oh, I, yeah. I, I remember seeing you up on stage you're sure. having a lot of fun on yeah, stage no, which I, is really I, important yeah no like, I, I, I genuinely love this like I said I'm mad at myself that I haven't like I said that it took me this long to realize uh, if you love something that much you should you know not worry about any kind of money or anything like that if you got friends that want to do it with you and you're blessed like that. That's a crazy blessing, man. That's what are you running away from that for? That's run, run towards that. You know, that's yeah. all I'm yeah. saying. That also yeah. reaches a lot of young kids because I know, like, I, I I don't remember the first few death metal shows I went to, but I remember the bands that had the most fun yeah. for some reason. True. When you can see it in someone's play, like face that they're having a good time yeah. on stage, that's fucking huge. And, and I got a long, not that long ago, but I got a long time ago, not long enough ago. But you are super there to entertain. You're not there to just play your songs and say that should be enough. You are there, people, especially nowadays with so many outlets of entertainment. You have to entertain people. People are like, what are you going to do for me? Yes. We joke around like we're going to have to be juggling and swallowing fire and stuff. But 
you got to put on it. You know, Kiss, Kiss close, got yeah. it in the '70s. You know, that's maybe that's why it's still Kiss is still in yeah. my brain. Yeah, yeah and not you everyone is put like on a show, doing man. theatrical shit. Like you can't like not every band is fucking behemoth no. or some shit where no. you can have like pyrotechnics and that's like great. stand there robes. And, yeah, it's fun shit. But, but like you get the money, you ain't got you ain't got the crew. <laughs> yeah, if right. you could do yeah. it, and yeah, you can barely hobbling in. Yeah, exactly. You sell a show by just standing there. Cool, go for it. But like, come on, have some fun. Well, it pays off. Speaking about. Putting on a good performance and getting the crowd up in the '90s when you when you did this transition, were you were you guys playing a lot of these hardcore shows? Because there was a big turn in the mid to late '90s on Long Island where things went hardcore, sure. and it was and the Roxy had closed down, and it was a lot more about hardcore shows at VFW halls and places like the PWAC and things yeah, like that. Yeah, no, I would I would say that was more uh, of a of a younger crowd doing that at the time, mm-hmm. and we didn't have much involvement with it. I'll be honest with you. There was, uh, you know, there might have been some hardcore shows with some of the bigger bands, but that whole scene—the only band I think we may have played with might have been Tension in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. But uh, I could see that getting pretty rowdy. You know, the, yeah, Tension is great. Um, we're going to reach out to them. They—they—they're great. Um, but I think they're playing with the Chromags coming up. Wow. Yeah, it's a good pairing. No, you're not yeah. kidding. Yeah. So. Uh, no, I, I think those were pretty much separate. We, we were playing just regular metal shows. Nationals coming through, okay. opening up for them and stuff. So, I, we at what point? I, I know you. I know you lived down in Texas, or you, or you at least stayed down. No, in Texas. no, I didn't. I didn't live there. I just my heart is in Texas. Okay. <laughs> well, I bring it up because when we were on that tour together, I noticed that there was a lot of really long running connections you had with people down yeah. in Texas. That was the Sally, first. Yep, Sally. There, there was uh, <laughs> the young lady who put us up for the night. She put the whole band up, yep, and you yep. know the food for us and everything, Aaron, man. Yep, Aaron. Yeah, man. There was a people. lot of people that. Just were really showing Southern hospitality that were that were telling that were saying I remember Pyrexia from you know sure. ninety three ninety four whatever that was. was the first time we ever went out of state and that's when like said underground we met that band Crucifix that Selly was in mm-hmm. he was a singer and through correspondence and I'm, I mean letters written writing letters back and forth yes. and then finally yes. <laughs> I know you love that finally exchanging <laughs> phone numbers uh, they were like yo we'll set up like a, a week tour down here. And you, you guys, and us will come down here, and it's other band torment to find them. We'll, we'll go up and down. Uh, we went down to Corpus Christi, which oh. is like a big deal for them. Like there was fish because you know they're in the middle of Texas; they didn't <laughs> see water. I, yeah, I, I was in Corpus Christi with one of my bands once. It was great. It's, these it's these memories of, we it's had. Kind of, it's kind of a crack town now. It's kind well, of no, up. no, it's harsh. You know, it's a harsh. You know, and we love my. Te- I love I my like Texans. It. You know, easy now. They're out there. Hey, no, I'm not insulting it. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd was wild. They are. It the was best. great. No, we had a great time That's down what there. I mean. But great. it was. Crowd, it man. was like when you a left loving crowd. like outside there was a lot of homeless folks you know it's a tough you know, you know it's, it's tough it's, it's rough life's yeah. tough life's no. tough but it's uh, very different from here you know actually so. uh, it was great it was great that was a great trip and like I said made lifelong friends that since then I'll, I'll go there we just toured through there and I meet up with them every time, and it's just how yeah, it is. I stay at their Texas houses. I mean, that's, thing, yeah. that's, that's fucking it. awesome, man. All right, so correct me if I'm uh, wrong, but 1999, you and Keith DeVito and, if I'm saying it right, Rob Maresca from uh, yep. Pyrexia yep. join up with Brian Hobby, who was uh, a bassist of Internal Bleeding, yep. and Trevor from Obituary and form Catastrophic. That's correct, yeah. So what was the? Uh, I mean, how did that all come about? It was uh, kind of it seems like Pyrexia <laughs> got sucked into we got another band. And yeah, yeah, no, we got blessed to work with royalty is what we did. But what happened was, uh, and, you know, Death Metal I guess is a small enough community, and back then especially there wasn't as enough as much talent out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Tardy couldn't do a tour for Obituary, mm. and Keith DeVito actually filled in because earlier uh, he had filled in for Suffocation when Frank couldn't have didn't do a tour, so he went to Europe. 
with uh, Deicide and filled in for Frank for a full tour. And I think Obituary found out about it or somehow somehow they saw him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he filled in for Tardy for an entire Obituary tour. It's pretty and, rad. Uh, it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. And uh, him and Trevor became good friends. And then uh, they decided they wanted to start a side band. And I got blessed to be. He's like, yeah, I know, I know musicians. And yeah, just got lucky. So catastrophic signs with Metal Blade Records. Yeah. How, how did that come? How Trevor, I mean, tell you what's, what's Trevor. I mean, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> me neither, really. I mean, Trevor. I mean, Trevor did it. Yeah. You know, it was because of him, man. So it was kind of obituaries, kind of riding high at that point. What were they sure. on, like World Demise? Uh, I can't tell you the exact album, but mm-hmm. they actually, I think, were like a, a bit of a hiatus, which is why Trevor was yeah. itching to do something. Yeah. And uh, you know, the dude's got a lot of creativity. So he was able to just pitch a a new project to Metal Blade Records, and And they bit. Without even hearing anything. And you guys put out The Cleansing in 2001. Yep. All right. How how, how did that, how was that received? I guess it was was received well, but again, people are going to compare it to Obituary and Pyrexian. It probably wasn't uh, Obituary, and it wasn't wasn't as good as Obituary, and it wasn't probably as heavy or fast as Pyrexian. So it was like, you know, uh, but there's definitely some sick, Trevor songs on there that I can't deny it's his sound and his songs and, you know but people purists out there they, they want to see Trevor in uh, obituary yeah that's yeah. definitely where he belongs you it's, know. it's interesting because in this day and age there seems to be a lot more super groups and combination groups yeah but we're not super though it was like Trevor you know it was no, awesome I'm, Trevor you I'm know. just saying it kind of is though I mean, yeah. it, I mean in this day and age if you put out a band and it said members of obituary and pyrexia it seems like nowadays it's a lot more common and maybe back then people weren't ready Maybe. To have these super groups. So it seems a lot more, more prevalent we nowadays. A super group. You know what I mean? It was definitely us riding lucky enough to be with Trevor. And uh, like I said, I think they were just wanting to see him with Obituary because he's that, you know, he's that big. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's probably where that is. And I also read that uh, Joe Sincata from Full Force, was, was that while you were in the band? No, no, that's when I went back and I just, I did only the one album, I think. I don't know how many of the guys did the, the they, other Well, they, they put out in 2008, they put out Pathology of Murder. Right. But I noticed that you you obviously had already moved back on with Pyrexia because then yes. you put out in 2004 Cruelty Beyond Submission, yeah. which is kind of like a Pyrexia greatest hits. What it was, so to speak. Yeah, it was uh, three new songs at the time because no one had heard the first three tracks, and then the rest of the album was just old tracks. Yeah. Okay. And that was kind of was that like at that point you were trying to like uh, reestablish Pyrexia. I mean, yeah. Did you have a whole new lineup at that point? A whole new lineup because the guys, like I said, stayed with catastrophic. Uh, basically, I think maybe two or three years were put into catastrophic and whole. You know, figured the first year or two, and then it took me a minute to get a full lineup again together. So then, yeah, the 2004 thing was just like, you know, hey, guys, here we are. <laughs> We're still going to try to do something, you know. <laughs> so you guys are back to get now. You're playing shows around New York and stuff. And yeah, then yeah. 2007, you signed with Unique Leader and yes. New Age of the Wicked. Yep, we got lucky about with that, too, yep. Okay, yeah, rest in peace to Eric. Yep, Unique rest in Leader, peace yeah. to Eric, absolutely. Yeah, so, so Age of the Wicked, that's kind of like... Um, Pyrexia's like big step back into the yep. into the scene because there's a new album out. Yep. And how 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 was that received? What do you what did you guys you got you guys did a fair amount of touring? Yeah, for that? no, that, that was that was pretty good. It was uh, people were happy with the material. It, it's a pretty it's a fairly decent production. Uh, we did tour in 2007 with Crematorium and uh, a couple other bands, and uh, did America. We did a couple shows over a couple festivals over in Europe, and uh, it was it was good. I have to say that was a good time. 
All right, so is it fair to say that you took like a little break, or was there, or was it a really busy six years for Pyrexia? Because I know because the next album is 2013, no. <laughs> Feast of Iniquity. It definitely wasn't a really busy six years. No. All right. Well, yeah, well I mean, you know, everybody's got families. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to knock it, but you know. <laughs> no, no, how, no. how are your six years? Yeah, no, That's like, <laughs> no, we definitely took a dip. Again, uh, it's hard. Uh, most of the guys were in Jersey, and I was up north. Uh, the drummer was in Delaware. Uh, it was uh, it was difficult to keep the the, the train rolling. You know, you were still on Long Island. At that still point? on the island. Yeah. You know, never left the island since I have, since I moved here, and uh, you know, it was, it was more of a difficult thing to keep things together. And Feast of Iniquity, that's the first album with Doug Bone on it. And yeah, Doug Bone and Dave Colos. And 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 how did that? First of all, Doug Bone, obviously, you kind of grew up with, or yeah. at least you knew him from, from your teenage years. Yeah, How I, does Dave Colross of Malevolent Creation um, <laughs> and, and so many other you know projects that he's been featured on come, come into the picture? That's funny because uh, he inadvertently moved around the corner for me and was going to do a rock band. On Long Island. He on moves Long good. Island. Is he originally from Long Island? No, he's originally from Buffalo. Okay. Well, not Buffalo, but upstate. Yeah. Then, okay. obviously, he moved to Florida. Yeah. But then he moved back here to jam with Suffo. Uh-huh. And then he stayed here after he stopped jamming with Suffo. And then that's when uh, he comes together with Pyrexia. Well, no. Hey, okay. check this out. He uh, he moved around the corner from me, and he was putting together a rock band. Pure rock. You never heard this, Will. I have it. I'll, I'll play it for you now. <laughs> and Is we, it Blast Beats? No, no. <laughs> we record. How dare he, you? He saw me in a Coles parking lot, and <laughs> he, he reached out to me. And he's like, yo, I'm around the corner. Uh, come do this rock band. I was like, again, Dave Colross. I was like, sure. You know, I was like, let's do it. All right. Uh, all right. And we recorded this rock band. Uh, I don't know if it's five songs. At Sincata Studio. Yeah. And uh, it's got a clean singer on it. <laughs> you never heard it. Uh, we did all kinds of photo shoots for it. And like, we were going to be, oh, I think we even shopped it to Monte Carna because. What was the band called? Storm. Storm because the singer's name was Matt Storm and he really wow. was a great singer. When the singer's last name is the yeah. name of the band, that's like you know, yeah, that's what we were going for. Uh, and but uh, the label said it was dated, dated material. Uh, so we'll see what I'll let you hear it. <laughs> you could judge. I mean, did but, you hear what was coming out around then, man? You know, you maybe needed a throwback either way. It didn't work <laughs> out, but then Dave was me and Dave became really close friends, and then uh, I started building a little recording studio and. It was just, it made sense. I was like, yo, you want to play drums? He was like, sure. And that was that. So Doug Bone was kind of like the touring drummer, well, the main no, drummer. Well, no, no. I'll tell you what happened again. There's more because it was in a small town. Uh, all of a sudden, while uh, we're sitting in my studio, uh, hanging out, either before or after practice, he gets a call from Suffo. This is before uh, Pinnacle of Bedlam. And they're like, we need a drummer. And he's like, okay. So... Basically, we needed to get somebody else to get in there because when Suffolk calls, you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so he went, and Bones was just hanging out, and I'd see him every day as always. And I was like, yo, you know, I think I had already asked him to do a song on the album just because I love him. Yeah. And uh, I always wanted to jam with him. And I was like, you might as well, you know, can you finish half of the album? And he's like, sure. And then after that, we got off to go to Europe and do a tour. And I was like, let's go. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And he started doing stuff, and then we did an American tour with the Carnival of Death, with Suffocation, and Cabbage, uh, Cataclysm, and Jungle Rock. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that tour with Kevin and Charlie? 
Yeah, that was Kevin and Charlie playing for Pyrexia, yeah. So at that point, when now we're, what are we, like 2014, 15? Something like that? 15, I think, yeah. Okay, and you got Kevin and Charlie. I, I, those guys' last names escapes me right Kevin now. Kevin Mola and Charlie, I don't know if you say Arago or Arego. Okay, yeah, I've, I've met Arigo. those guys, and they're also in a band, The, Mer- or the Merciless Concept. Um, which has uh, been a little inactive as of late because those guys also, like you said, when Suffolk calls, you go. Yeah. Right? So those guys are with Suffocation now. But at that yeah. point, Kevin and Charlie are with you guys. Um, something I did want to touch upon uh, briefly, uh, it's been in the news and it's been on some metal websites to clear up any misconception. Your singer from Age of the Wicked and Feast of Iniquity, um, Eric Shute, at that point in, well, a few years later, uh, June 2016, he's arrested. For three homicides. Yes. And at that, and so he was he was clearly out of the band for what a good and for a good minute, yeah, for a good while because he had, he had gone off the deep end before he had done that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was not in the band at the time. Thank God. When uh, you mean like going off the deep end, was what was he still like in the band and you saw like signs well, of him kind of losing yeah, his shit? Uh, not not the violence like that. That that is a. Uh, that's a little extreme. I never expected that. I know you say death metal, but he didn't write any of the lyrics. No, I mean, uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast gets the theatrics of death metal. Yeah, I mean, this, this is like, theatrics. this is this normal is... people just writing extreme music. Right. Yeah. You know, it's very unfortunate not... that you would be touring already with a new singer, and this guy, when this hits the, the media, he's portrayed as the singer of your band. Yeah, no. But which he wasn't at that point. No, no. Luckily, yeah. it got cleared up pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't talk about it much, but uh, he, he had gone off the deep end. Uh, before, like I said, like a year before this had happened, I'm gonna kick him out of the band because he had all these radical ideas uh, with the, the currency was gonna crash and that the world was gonna end. And you know, he's definitely one of those doomsday pharaohs. Kind of Ron Paulish, I guess. Uh, very, very <laughs> Ron Paul, very much uh, Alex Jones, very, very, very extreme and weird. And uh, sad. They just took it. it, it they just took it to a, a horrible extreme. And you know the outcome was the worst, and I, I, I had to say he's probably where he deserves to be and should be. And well, very very unfortunate, but um, very. you know also unfortunate that the band was tagged with that uh, at first. You know, when, and uh, people didn't realize the timeline didn't really uh, line up with Mo- his We moved like again it's so long ago now, and we've had several singers, including yourself, since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. So oh, it's it's done. It's yeah. put the, it's put the right. They know it had nothing to do with us. That kid's crazy. He, you know. And in reality, in June 2016, you were most likely starting to get involved with the Tomorrow's Victim Boys. Am I not? I, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So who who was it? Did they did did those guys just start hanging around in Beach and no. Danny joined at the same time? How did how did uh, I, how, I heard maybe Beach. maybe brief us on this new lineup of Pyrexia and how these guys came in the fold? It, it all I heard Beach singing and the, my my man's voice is just you know. I love it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I asked him to do some guest vocals on the album, and he was nice enough to agree. So he comes down, he starts singing a couple of lines, and like from what I had already in place, I was like, "Well, I, this is like a man just sang, and I have a boy recorded the other track, you know." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Do you mind singing a few more lines?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And then I was like, "Do you mind doing the whole song?" <laughs> you know, <and> he, <laughs> he did the whole song, and then like he left, and I'm like. I gotta ask him to join the band. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of like that, you know. I was like, yo, if you got the time, you know, uh, we'd love to have you. And yeah, he was gracious enough to do it. And then at the same time, I off, because now, you know, once he was family, he mentioned he wanted to record his band, come on down. Like I said, I have the whole recording set up. 
they tracked their whole album. That's where I met uh, Danny and their drummer and Albie. And, uh, you know, now Danny's a full-time member in Pyrex. You know, now he plays guitar, so I met him that way. I know I've met him in the past, but, like, I started, you know, when they were recording, I saw him every night. And, uh, you know... You get stuff. close with people when you you're do. like you uh, do, when you you're know? recording them sure, and stuff and sure. just producing them. If they're cool people, you see you, the personality. You can exactly. see how they are, you know. And you, you kind of like it, it's a it's a strange way. Uh, friendship is almost not forced, but it's like uh, it just pushed a lot quicker because when you're put in that environment, you have like, to. You're, you've kind of just met the person, yep. and you have to work together, you to work and you have to work together really close. Yeah. And and, if, and when you work close and it works, oh, all right, that's nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And. Uh, that was like that and I saw his, his chops and he played and uh, the Pyrexia family has grown so big it even reached out to Albie now uh, he actually helps us out in a lot of live situations and plays bass for us mm. so the family grew a lot with the Tomorrow's Victim guys so we're talking in terms of I mean if we were to sit here and do like a, um, a family tree of Pyrexia it would probably take all night but I mean you could at least include suffocation internal bleeding Merciless concept, artificial brain now, because John and I have been involved. Tomorrow's victim, malevolent creation. Um, I, I mean, the, the list goes on and on, man. It's pretty yeah, crazy. Like if you, you know, especially if you go with the catastrophic and the obituary. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah. I mean, yeah. and if you did the six steps of Kevin Bacon with Pyrexia and Beth Mel, I think you, we'd be probably somehow connected uh, with members to quite a few bands, and I don't think anybody realizes that either. We do a lot of, again, it's because of the work, and the blue collar in New York is tough. Sinatra always says it, but you got to work hard, mm. and there's not a lot of time to, for play time out here. So you got to play hard, but yeah, you can. But you can, but I'm, I'm saying it delays things sometimes in the past. So, uh, you know, people don't understand behind the scenes. We've been hustling and working and making moves with people, but it doesn't always come to, you know, to fruition on the out, on the outside. It's like you said, you gotta take chances. A lot of chances. You gotta yeah. do it. Yeah. So, this new album, Unholy Requiem, yeah. that just came out on Unique Leader Records. Um, what going going in? Like, what was the what was the idea? Was there a concept for the album? Was there something? Because this is the first album now in what five years? Five years, I think. Brand yeah. new lineup. Yep. New lineup. Um, you know what? Where where's your mindset at when you guys the are? The mindset I gotta say, which you know. Could be wrong, could have been right, you know, it depends on how it hits you, but I, I always got to go away from the trends. It just goes back to 97 when, when you know, uh, everybody just started copying the slam thing and, and copying the riffs. I try to do a little, a little different things. Uh, that that happened now. I wanted to write a real death metal album. Uh, I'm really getting tired as an older uh, listener and uh, participant in death metal. With the genre splicings and uh, you know slam or grind or this or that, so I really you know maybe I overthink things too much, but I, I really love the music. I'm really passionate about it, and I I try to you know put a lot of thought into it. Uh, so I just try to do like a real uh, death metal riff oriented album. Uh, if you're gonna write a slam on this album, you know I'm not saying forever, but for this album going in. If it's going to be a slam, it's going to be a slam that nobody heard. It's not going to be that same Sofo slam. It's not going to be the gratuitous, uh, easy slam that uh, where I stop and I play the guitar part and then everybody comes in because they're supposed to. Uh, I, I always look for that visceral uh, arrangement that's going to make you do it in a way that, like I said, no one else has done it. And sometimes, again, that's what the chances you take. It might have fell flat, you know. I feel maybe it did because sometimes these things take a little while to set in, 
And right now people are slam thirsty and slam hungry and that album is not in particularly slam packed. But uh, I think in in the in the view of history, it it'll do better just like most of these things do. It usually takes a Pyrexia ten years for it to catch on a Pyrexia album. <laughs> takes, <laughs> you know? takes ten years. Yeah, you were, just, yeah, we're saying years. earlier, like yeah. you know, for Sermon, a Pyrexia album to catch on. So yeah, like what Will was saying earlier, like uh, you know, you, you were you were saying how people called out Sermon for being that sum- mm-hmm. suffocation mm-hmm. knockoff, and it's like it doesn't. It no, now you, listen, you to listen to it in context. Yeah. It's it's its own thing. Sure. And it's good. Yeah, it's sure, a really yeah. good album. Like it I really takes, like that album. It takes ten years for people to, years. to stop asking where Daryl Wagner is. Yeah, yeah. We gotta know? get the, the vision. <laughs> we got a candle. If you guys want to ask why there's a candle at every merch table, that's the, the hope of Daryl Wagner. To come back the back. One day he's one day. coming back. He's gonna come back one day yeah. and do backups. Yeah, he's waiting for his grandkids to graduate college. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so, um, you know, that brings us kind of like up till today, man. You know, we went through this whole journey of Pyrexia. What is, or if anything, is there anything that you really felt like you learned in those old days of um, of just formulating bands and getting started in the music business or the death metal scene, playing shows, working with people that you retained up until today and that helped you in your personal life, your job, other areas? Like, what, what did the death metal scene teach you as a young man that you retained? Uh, be humble, you know, be thankful. Uh, be grateful and and realize the blessings around you that you you know if you death metal is so so unique that as a kid you can't realize it you know you, you think it's just normal life you think uh, especially for me people put it down I actually even to this day I have to I have always hit it from the job you can't explain to somebody especially at my age uh, yeah I do death metal three times a week and and <laughs> what are you talking about? That's impossible to explain. Your family don't get it. Your friends outside of death metal don't get it. Uh, it's I, you know I don't know how else to explain it. But in retrospect, and I'm glad it's before I died. I realized it, it's something I'm grabbing onto that you you know you realize it's like uh, that's what I got out of at being young. Like this is fu- this is fucking special. Uh, appreciate it. Grab into it. It's not gonna go away. Again, I'll give you something that Trevor said uh, because uh, I don't know if, whose conversation he had this with, but he mentioned death metal is a genre. It's like BB King is like it was eighty or something at the time. He's like, does anybody ask when BB uh, King is gonna be done playing blues? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why is it like I gotta be done playing music death metal at a certain age or time? Or because especially back then, everybody's parents, I think even his, would put like a time on it. When are you gonna be done with this and you can move on with real life? Yeah, uh, this is real life. You know, I mean, I can't. I'm sorry if you don't. You know, I don't know what to tell you. This is real life. So, do you, on that note, do you do you see when you recall all this that, that you've been through with pyrexia? I mean, you you really you know a man of your age that has a, a you know a child and a, his own family and has been through so much, and you can trace pyrexia back to when you were really a kid, when you were a child. teenager. Child, you know what I mean? So you can see all these different eras of pyrexia yeah. and lineups and think yeah. about the shows you played, and you're really reliving your whole life. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, even when pyrexia was on hiatus or paused for a year or two here or there, I mean, it all you always come back. To it's it. never it's never been on pause for me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I've always been doing something. There's not a day, I can honestly say this, there's not a day that goes by, probably since ever, that I didn't do something for or involve the Pyrexia or to Pyrexia or with Pyrexia. It's just it. It's embedded. It's it's just it. It's, it's just it. All day, actually. Even now, I wake up, I take care of my family. As soon as that's done, 
I'm right to py- right to Pyrexia. That's just that's phenomenal, man. There's not I a lot of people that could that could say it because you know I could say that I've been involved in death metal for 20 odd years, but not in the same band, right? Not waving the same flag. You right. know what I mean? That's 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 really uh, special. Uh, it feels special. I'm glad I realized it. But death metal is special. It's not just Pyrexia. It's it's everybody in it. You know. That's that's a, a great attitude, man. Um, and Tom, do you have any questions, man? I'm, I don't have any questions, but I want to say, like, I really, I like where your head is at. I appreciate a that. A lot. Well, it took I, a long time I, to get I, here, I gotta be honest. I, I wish it was this way 10, 20 years ago. I admire how much you put into it. Thank you. And, uh, like, as a fan, as as a musician. Look what you're doing down here. Look at this setup. I mean, come on. you got This is a passionate setup you have right here, man. This is the same thing I'm doing. This is exactly it. And we're here together tonight, right now, doing the exact same thing. Whatever we both did got us right here, right now. And it's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm it, saying? It's perfect. Yeah. It is. It, it really is. And, like, it's real. It's gritty. Real. It's that's, very that's it. gritty. I, once I realized that there's no other way to do it, then it's like, wow, whoa. I got almost mad at myself. What was I even thinking? Even if it's your parents, you always want to, can't help it. I bring up, you try to please your parents. It was the same with the job. Mm. Uh you know, make make good money. Nothing when I read, nothing pleases them. What are you trying to please other people for, man? What do you you know? Yeah. Don't hurt people. Be no. decent. The only thing that matters is be decent. And I guess like just just growing up in general, it is hard to balance that because you want to listen to people. You know, well, a lot of things in your, your parents gut. are the example. Yeah. Your family's the example. People the- around you but you didn't realize wow most people don't most that's the scary thing. I mean most people don't get it. No, That's they don't. The scariest thing. And they have other wisdom. Don't get it. The, sure. Like these people, like they they have and information value, for you and value. Yep. But yep. sometimes they're missing they fuck out. Shit up. They're missing like, out. Right? Yeah. And, and so that's like. You know that's uh, that's like philosophy shit that we yeah don't... we we got we got that's another show right yeah exactly <laughs> we, this is the heavy hole yeah the heavy hole yeah, 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 yeah. that's for the, the the clear cloud which is the opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> yeah gonna... you know it's like death metal is kind of it's there you yeah. know it's it's an honest it's, it's an, an honest, honest thing. thing the death yeah. metal is an honest pure not going away thing I say this now uh, what other genre of music are there new bands like there are in death metal playing stream music. Are there that many new rock bands every day? No, I think uh, I, I'll, I'll, it's I'll answer vibrant. This. There's a genre of, of electronic music that I listen to. It's called breakcore. Okay. The guys who are in breakcore have no desire to appease anyone. Right. It's extreme. That's it's all right. heavy, right. heavy shit. Right. This like this isn't Skrillex radio shit. This is like people making shit on their laptops. For the love of it. Right, but it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's like the closest thing I have like on, on that end of the spectrum. To but compare it to, right. Exactly. And there's new whoa, there's new <laughs> But there's it's, new it, people doing it, you're saying Yeah, and there's new people doing it. Right. And and there's new people doing death metal, but the death metal thing I I'll always take my hat off towards because it there's like a team ship for. Yes. When it comes to electronic music, it's really just one person, right, right, and I right. and I admire that one person. But oh no, the camaraderie of tour, like we'll tell you, that's a beautiful thing. That's that was yes. one of my life. I have, you know, I, I had this mindset going in, but the six weeks of the two tours we just did, uh, I got more love from men on that tour than from any, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just ridiculous, mm. and uh, you know, you feel it, and you know, that's real to me. That's the that's real life. Anything else is cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to be around it. You know what I'm saying? I only want to be around that. Yeah, that makes sense. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The death metal scene's great. Man. Yeah. So, wow, man. Well, 
on on that note, I think this would be a perfect time maybe to segue into talking about death metal albums. That yeah, we like a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Who wants to start off? Yeah, you probably got something queued up, so we'll let you go first. I don't, but I can. Oh, come on, let's man. do it. No, I, I got my stuff. All right, so let's start with the new stuff. Play this for a bit. Well, don't look because I feel like you might know this band, but I don't know if you know about the new shit. My new pick of the evening is this new Torturous Inception. Yes. 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 The Arcane right. Dominion. Shout out to Torturous Inception, yeah, man. Nice. Great guys. Yeah, this nice. band is a really nice mix of the what we expect in like technical death metal today, right. but also without going all noodly on sure, it. Sure, sure. You know, like yeah, no, I don't like the noodle. No, I, I, I like some noodle. I don't but, like the That's me, you know, I appreciate the noodle. I shun the over-noodler. Right, yeah. You know? An album of noodles is too is too much. Exactly, and I feel yeah. like this matches the expectations of like said noodler, okay. but doesn't really noodle so much. Doesn't out noodle it, right? You know, okay. Like there's there's awesome riffs in here. The guitar leads that are happening in this album phenomenal. Yeah, they're, like they're good. cool as fuck. They're bouncing all over the place. Yeah, um, this I've I've loved this band for a while, and this album sounds great. Their singer Tyler, <laughs> um, hilarious guy, really nice guy too, but one of the best. Uh, vocalists uh, and frontmen in the game right now, in my opinion. This band shares him now with Splattered Entrails and Needle Pusher. So um, he, he's, he's... He's got the chops. He's got the chops. He's spreading himself out. He's always trying to improve his technique. He told me once he's, he's, a, he's a big athlete and he trains a lot. He, he runs marathons and stuff. He told me once that the doctor could tell that he was a runner because his lungs are bigger than the average person's. He has more capacity. Nice. That and, makes sense. And, yeah, I mean, when you see when you see this guy on stage and hear, hear his voice, he, you know, he's, he's an animal, man. I actually, uh, he he filled in for Frank Rini um, vo- uh, on vocals for Internal Bleeding for the last few shows of that, uh, that bloodletting tour. I wasn't there. But I asked him for a few tips when I was trying to learn uh, to do the vocals for Pyrexia on my leg of the tour, man. And he gave me some tips, man. He's he, he just knows his shit, man. He's he's like a death metal singer's death metal singer. That's nice. the best way I could talk about the guy. And I was really interested to hear this album just from the perspective of uh, like what I do, singing for bands and kind of hearing what what he's bringing to the table because it's always inspiring, man. You know? No, he's great. Of, of the new singers, especially semi-local, he's uh, he's there. Yeah, they, these guys in particular. Uh, Staten Island, right? Staten Island. This is there was this their second full length, and they have like two or three EPs. Yeah, something like that. Something, yeah. something like that, man. Yeah, and um, Tyler's actually from Long Island, and he used to do crazy shit like take ferries and trains and get home at four a.m. and everything to, to jam with these guys nice. and play shows with them. I ended up driving him home. Once or twice, uh, because I was the only guy going back to Long Island, like when we played New Jersey Death Fest with them and things. And uh, I got to know he's a really great guy, man. Still hits me on the text every once in a while, man. Nice. And uh, you know, it's 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 um it's it's funny the type like you were talking about, man. Just the people you get into death metal with, and you, you meet around with shows, yep. and you play a few shows with a band. And like these guys, Torturous Inception, I've brought them out to Long Island a couple of times now, man. And they're always just. Gentlemen, really great guys, happy to be there, down to earth, man. Yep. Good dudes. Ninety percent of death metal is down to earth. Gentlemen. I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's very rare you meet someone very, who's up there on goddamn rare. ass. You, you know, know maybe like, the youngest of the young, but very rare. Lo- love this band. Great band. Great choice.
my uh, new album that I picked for this episode is Cosmic Atrophy, uh, a band, a project out of Mississippi. Uh, good memories from Mississippi. Yeah. And um, the the guy playing drums, uh, doing, I guess, some of the vocals or all the vocals, bass, guitar, who wrote this material is Corey Richards from Mississippi. And this is a band who, um, I believe their last album was about 10 years ago. And uh, they, just, they just came back with this recording. And the reason that it stuck out to me and I checked it out is because the guy playing all these wacky guitar leads it's funny because we were just talking about guitar leads on the last on, on the Torture Inception record you talked mm -hmm. about but uh, is Phil Tugas I hope I'm saying his name right but he's um, he's in, involved in like I don't know a dozen different bands and projects he's recording all the time he's kind of a um, uh, a prodigy uh, death metal guitarist People know him now from the band uh, Chethelist or Chethelist another thing oh, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it yeah, yeah. kill these guys yeah, what's that? <laughs> You're killing these guys with the names. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know how to. I'm from Long Island. They want me to pronounce Chathelis and all this. You know. It's it's um. Yeah, I think man. it's yeah. I think it's just Chathelis. Chathelis. It's, it's yeah. a um. Yeah, they're they're on profile. They're more, the HP HP so. Lovecraft. Yes. Uh, base yes. Band. Yeah. It's yeah. like Cthulhu. Right. Cthulhu. Like Chathelis. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That um, band is rad. Well, they're they're cool as fuck. That's a good mix of like uh, black metal atmosphere and shit. Uh, and and there's a big Demolik uh, influence on that band and a a lot of Phil's work and um I hear it the thing that strikes me about this album is that you can hear the writing uh this this band this you know Corey Richards and Cosmic Atrophy has kind of this old school dark uh Finnish European doomy sound to the death metal but Phil really with these solos I, not to um give you the wrong impression but it almost reminded me of like Pantera or even like Steve Vai or something where this guitar hero Thing wrong is, with that? Is, yeah, there's no. this guitar hero uh, uh, angle, you know, on it because the guitar is just so lyrical and it pops in and out, and and he's nice. doing this real amazing stuff, but he does it in this dissonant, almost atonal way sometimes. I'm man, he's, he's like yeah. shredding, but for like the cavernous death metal genre, yeah. you know. Oh, that's sick. Tasteful leads, very. I mean, like just listening to a few little yeah. short snippets. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah it, it's like, a beautiful album in a very ugly way. That's the best yeah. way I could describe nice. it, man. And it's it's really great, and it's one of those things where I think. It benefits from one guy um, recording and writing most of the material, and the other guy just kind of coming in and sprinkling it up with these these crazy guitar solos, man. Okay, but this is it's it's really good stuff, man. I mean, every, you know, you guys know me. I'm an old school guy, idealist. I like everything real raw and gritty. And this this hit me in a special place yesterday. Nice. So a good choice. Yeah, Cosmic Atrophy, and the name of the album is Void Engineers. Released independently, you can get it on Bandcamp. This is tight. Even better. I'm yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna dive into this. Great stuff. Chris, what do you got for a new? You got, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot now. You guys are going all deep and shit. I'm going with new Deicide, man. I'm sorry. I, that, oh, okay. you know no, that shit's tight. Yeah, man. I, I think it's great, great man. Sick. I'm sorry. I think it's great. I was about to pick that, dude. I was going to pick that last night. Yeah. See, this is why I go with the obscure shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. I figured I'm, somebody was going to pick this, man. This is a, I was impressed. Is that right? Yeah. I'm glad somebody picked it. Yeah, I got to go old school, man. You know, this is a little boring what these guys over here did. You know, they went deep. 
No, this is cool, man. Like, the new DSI is tight. I think the men went went and brought something back. You know, this is a goddamn good album, man. So, All right. So, Benton, listen to him. He's back, dude. No, yeah, I, I'm familiar with this. This is uh, Chris's pick is DSI Overtures of Blasphemy, which was just recently released. And um, I thought the same thing. I thought Glenn Benton's vocals sound monstrous. They're monstrous, man. He's got something to say on this one, man. Yeah, and there's some people who've uh, you know said uh, they didn't like the vocals. They changed. They changed ah. a little bit on other albums. But right now, nobody can say anything about his vocals, nope. man. I mean, and the songwriting is there. It's all real Drums. catchy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. man. The, some of the when the solos hit you, man. There's another. There's all the all three of these new albums we're talking about are about the solos in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's too, a lot man. of a lot of lead work, man. Real yeah. catchy, real catchy, yeah. you know, tasteful work, Music. man. Musical. This is like a deicide, almost. I, I see, like, uh, kind of almost like a hardcore, old school punk rock, hardcore. Um, you know my style. Thing, you thing know, in there you because know what I like. It's it's like almost rock based. You know, it's very catchy. It's it's easy to listen to, man. It's not too technical. It's structured it's, out. Yeah, man, and and it fits very well, I think, in today's environment where people are rehashing the old school and bringing the putting the thrash back into death metal a little bit, man. Great album. It's got the old school, but it, it's it's still you know it's fresh. Oh, it also has like the audio quality of Center of Redemption, the 2006 one. Right, right. Like, Great album. I love that album. Uh, also, Ralph Santola died this year. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Yep. Yeah, but the writing is very similar to that one. Yeah, and in a yep. good way. I love that album. You yep. know, it's it, fucking it comes killer shit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to that, man. It's just. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't sound uh, pretentious. It doesn't sound like they got anything to prove, man. These guys are just writing really catchy, good death metal, yep, man. That's it's correct. A, it sounds like it was, it was, it's really fun to play and perform, too. Yep. You know what I mean? I could picture them going on stage every night having fun playing this. Yeah. Now, that's like a dream of mine is to tour with these guys. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Great band, man. Deicide's yeah. another one of those bands I say... You know, you could pick your favorite album by them, but they never put out an album that really disappointed their fans, man. They Top never, they never made, went hard left. Me, man, sorry. Yeah, man. They, you know, they they always stayed true to death metal. They, you know, they, they never tried to commercialize with any nope. new metal or nope. uh, well, metal core or any any of the trends through the years. Some albums were a little more technical than others. You know, there's that's what I like though because there's enough variety where you can kind of pick your favorite deicide, but yeah. it's not there's not that one album where all the fans are like, uh, yep. you know, I'm not yep. gonna I'm not gonna talk about any other big bands that put out a cringy album uh, in their discography, but Deicide never did, so props to them. Amen. My old school album of the night is Morgoth, Odium. Oh, all right. You guys know this album? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah great another, band. another rest in peace. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what was the gentleman's name? The, I don't know, yeah. but I know another gentleman. Original passed. guitar player, yep. but uh, he just died recently. But this album sticks out to me. Uh, a lot of it's because of the production. The production's really crispy. Sure. It's clean, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like post-production sounds that are happening. Like industrial sounds right. throughout the whole thing. Like there, there's weird things that happen to the snare at certain points. Uh, weird reverb things, additional sounds like sounds like anvil cracks and shit. Right, like right, throughout right. it, um, it's cool. Yeah. Like this does sound incredibly tight for the time period. Yeah, ninety three. Yeah, like, uh, this is. I mean, come on. 
Yeah, I, it almost the, the way it's real crispy for the '90s. It's almost like um, Broken Hope used to do that too. They were kind of ahead of the curve with everything sounding real cling clangy. Man, this this is cool though. Yeah, it sounds good. I used to love these vocals. Yeah, the vocals also definitely point out that they're kind of like um, well, cheap comparisons. Like I was saying before, like it's Pestilence? kind of like it's kind of like Chuck, but a little more daring. I, it sounds to me like Pestilence Asphyx. Yeah, you know, I used to love Pestilence. That's another favorite. Mm. Uh, if I was going to pick, that could have been one of my old school ones. Consuming Impulse. Oh, great yes. album! Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Their, their new to. album. Well, what was that? What was it called? Uh, Heat. Heady on what the, the new the new yeah, no, it's, not, it's, album. it's actually yeah. pretty damn good. Great man. album, yeah. man. Real return to form. Yeah. You, could, you could tell that they're kind of going He's back. He's putting to a lot old. of work in right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, the by the way, the original guitar, Karsten uh, Otterbach. Yes, that, uh, from yeah. from Morgoth. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, he just re- uh, just died a few uh, weeks ago from the time of this recording, and he was the original guitar player. Now, this band was another band that took a hiatus. They played. From, I want to say 89. Yeah, 80s, definitely. Yeah, like like 88, 89, and then they played till like 96. And they took a break, and then they came back together in like 2009, 2010. And this is a killer album. Right. Like, uh, Especially to come back. Yeah. I just thought this would be a nice one to, to show new Yeah, listeners. definitely nice. You good know, old like, school. Yeah, I, I, I got to revisit this, man. I, like you said, I can get the Asphyx kind of vibe, man. Yeah. Like, that, that that just that that European uh, era, you know. That's, yeah. that's I don't, where are they from? Are they from Sweden? They're from or? Germany. Germany. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And through this album, like I was saying, the production stuff is really cool, but also the writing is there. There's like hardcore elements throughout uh-huh. it in a way, um, even vocally. There's parts where he does less of a guttural thing and kind of like opens his throat up, does like the more screaming thing, right. and then there's like. There's like that talking part throughout certain songs. Check that out. Very interesting cover art too for the time period. It looks a little futuristic, you know, very digital. It does. Kind of yeah. Cover yeah, because everything's the... painted back then, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the way it should be. Still, sure, it was. Still up a good paint. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Off, you got cool three album. grand though. Back then, that was another thing. Oh, good <laughs> yeah. artwork. You paid. Yes. Yeah. Well, very great, great uh, album. Rest in peace to uh, Karsten Otterback. Amen. Mm. Yeah. I picked uh, Cryptopsy's first full-length album, Blasphemy Made Flesh. <laughs> unhinged, unhinged. I, I have an ulterior motive for going in hard. Okay. Um, Blasphemy Made Flesh, uh, released originally in 1994 on Invasion Records, and then released, re-released on Displeased Records in 1997, once they saw how uh, how None So Vile smashed the entire death metal scene. It changed a lot of shit. Blew people's minds that some guy was playing drums like that in death metal. I mean, Cryptopsy, when None So Vile came out, I was also a teenager and very impressionable and getting into this stuff, but I remember it really turned a lot of people's heads when None So Vile dropped, almost to the point where I think a lot of people um, forget about Blasphemy Made Flesh, which is, uh, in my eyes, slightly more raw, more unhinged, a little bit more grindcore going on. Um, this is, uh, this is a, 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 a a big favorite in the artificial brain tour vehicle, whatever we're riding around in. We always play this album in particular, man. And um, another thing that in researching this, I realized Martin Ferguson is the bass player on this album. It's the only album he played on. 
and the bass playing is very distinct on this album on, on all their albums really and none so vile too but um that that stood out to me too because we just you know listening to this back we hear a lot of the, the the bass sticking out man but such a great record and one of my um ulterior motives for bringing it up is i know that you had told me once didn't you stay with cryptopsy up in canada did, in the early days but they were called uh, necrosis necrosis that was, that was the first uh we stayed at Lord Worm's apartment. Wow, Damn. what, year? Yeah. what year do you think this is? Uh, 90, 93 probably. Probably around 93, yeah. So they, so they were most likely writing and perfecting this material on Blasphemy Made Flesh. I'm sure they Because this was 94, you said? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 This is This, yeah, this is 94 were... and None So Vile is 96. This came out in 94, right. and then None So Vile is 96, and then this was re-released in 97. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing Pyrexia did was, even from the earliest of days, was we weren't afraid to travel and go find other people to play with. And, yeah, that's uh, fucking awesome. Steve, who's no longer in the band, to bowl. Uh, he was the guitarist at the time, and he shared an apartment with Lord Worm, and uh, we stayed over there, and it was sick. It was a couple great shows up there, but Daryl didn't make it over the border. <laughs> they wouldn't let him over. He was in a car behind us, uh, like an hour behind us, though, not right behind us. Right, so right. we had got right through the border, no problem, got to where we got to go, and then we get a phone call. He had some traffic infraction. We all know how Canada is. Yeah, and uh, ever since the first time we've ever tried going there, we've had issues. But uh, yeah, that was the first time. But we played with Necrosis. So did you guys perform without a we singer? Played, we performed without a singer. We had people from the stage coming up, and uh, just all kinds of shit like that happening. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, just to make it happen, yeah. But it was Necrosis though. They weren't Cryptops yet. Right. And, and so, so everyone's real low budget and underground at that point. Sure, of yeah, course. Yeah. It was you know good show though. A lot of people. It was a couple of shows too. It wasn't just one. What were those guys? What were those guys like? Were they you know did they have like day jobs? Were they crazy? Um, they're all smart guys. Lord Worm was crazy. I do remember actually in the living room, there was a toilet bowl as like a regular seat. It wasn't <laughs> hooked up to any plumbing, but there was a toilet bowl as a chair. And uh, I just remember they had beautiful girlfriends too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they were doing good. All yeah. right, playing yeah, right. fast, and yeah. having sexy ladies around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was impressed. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, Cryptopsy, Blasphemy Made Flesh, the album, uh, perhaps inspired by uh, Chris's visit to Canada. <laughs> yeah, right. who, who knows? You know. <laughs> So, so this is uh, Human Remains demo number two ninety one. Chris's pick for yeah. an older release. Yeah, this is the shit. No, we used to do a lot of shows with these guys. I got a lot of memories with these guys. Uh, Dave Whitty, sick drummer, huh. insane drummer back then, insane drummer now. Obviously, we know he's municipal waste. A couple other things happening. Uh, it's a pinnacle because this is back then. New Jersey, New York, you know, a little triangle, Connecticut. Sometimes more upstate. But literally probably the first two or three years of our career was every show we did, we did with Human Remains because there were such few bands to play with. Wow. It was just out of necessity. You got to get enough bands put together for a show. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're going you're gonna to make a little network of yeah. like, you know, whoever can make shit happen, we move together. Yeah. I like so that. They though. were great. So great. The vocals, the guy Miller, 
Mm. I was super impressed by that. I was super impressed by everything they're doing. The guitar players are just re- ridiculous. Can't now, even explain. You say that you were playing shows with them for a few years. The first time you saw them, were they this technically proficient and yes. original? Yes. They were just always kind of. The you second know, you saw them, they wow. blew you the fuck away. Wow. Yep. That's wild. As young men, I mean, again, you're going teenage years. This was like genius level, these guys were. Yeah, I mean, it's still, to, to this day, you can right. play this for people, and they're still ahead of the curve somewhere for the where curve, this type man. of music is going, you know? Yep. Yeah. The yeah. guitar work. The volume swelling the, thing. Yep, the, the volume yeah, swelling yeah. thing, the drums, yeah. vocals, the aggression. The first, I remember one of my first, probably my first death metal show I attended when I was maybe 15 um, was at Crawdaddy's, which is now Revolution. Yeah. And over the PA, you know, between bands, they're playing music, and somebody was playing a Human Remains song. It was the one, who gives a fuck what you think? Sure. And that volume swell. As a teenager, I don't know. I thought somebody was playing a trumpet in the yeah, song man. or something. I'm yeah. like, you know what I mean? It, These guys would do it live. And yeah, yeah. I was, asking, I was asking my friends, what's the death metal band with the trumpet for a few weeks before I figured out what was going on? <laughs> yeah. man. You know, it was before you could Google stuff and YouTube yeah. stuff. Oh, you yeah, know? no. And you know, another thing is, the standards were so insane back then. These guys are the best, and they couldn't get signed for shit. Nobody wow. would pick them up. Well, no. Relapse eventually put an EP out of like a couple of the songs of theirs. Using Sickness as a Hero. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yep, that one. Yeah, that was it. But you think that has yeah. a lot to do with, like, at the time, this is, no one's heard this kind of shit, right. really. Like, this you know, noise to people. Meanwhile, this you is have, masterful. You, know, right. you have, your friends have. Listen to that. Wait. What the hell's, what's he doing, dude? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He would do that for you live. The two guitarists, amazing. So amazing. kind of, it's kind off. of setting a precedent for, uh, you know, later on in the '90s, relapse kind of like had, uh, you know, you had Pig Destroyer, you had Dillinger Escape Plan, yep. you had a lot of, a lot of like real grindy, noisy bands with the, you know, those real dissonant. And chords. for these guys, uh, they were like us. We used to talk about it all the time. They came out of Jersey, and Ripping Corpse came out of Jersey. Yeah. While yeah. Suffo came out for us, so it was like us for Suffo and them with Rippings. Uh huh. So everybody mm-hmm. used to say they were like a Ripping Corpse. Uh, uh, both great bands. Of course. You can't come yeah, on, Ripping Corpse. Apples and oranges, yeah. man. Yeah. I know, but amazed. But back then, yeah. it was so picky. You had nothing to compare it to. It was like you had to be. Wow. Nowadays, you could put this out and be better than anything. If you ask me. Well, yeah. I mean, like listen uh, to it. I remember yeah. just. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, like, people were signing some really crazy shit. Yeah. Like, remember that band Psyopus? I This, oh, this yeah. reminds me a lot yeah. of, like, you know, in, inspired by this. Right. But then, like, they took that a step band, further. Yeah, that by, band tries to take it to the next level, and it's like, okay, this is good shit, but yeah. like you were saying, like, the labels, they're almost familiar with the extreme, like, e- extreme it. nature of it. Yep. So, yeah. This is 91. Wow! You know, yeah, puts it in perspective. Yeah, puts it in perspective. You, you know? hear it now, it's like, all right, it's death metal. No, ninety-one. This is Martian music. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Look at the cover. I love that shit. You know, it's Am- like amazing band. Yep. Still to this day, that's why I pick them. All right, man. It's a good pick. Yeah, so man. yeah, so Human Remains is demo number two from nineteen ninety-one. That's Chris's old school pick, man. Wow. All right, so uh, we, you know we we picked Chris's brain all night about Pyrexia and the history of the band. Uh, we got a, a philosophy lesson. Yeah, life, it was a great life, time. A better life through death metal. It was beautiful. Uh, I we, you know, we, it. we talked about some some new stuff. We talked about some old stuff, man. And we, we really appreciate you joining us ah, here. Thank on, you guys. On the heavy hole podcast. My pleasure, man. Hope to come back. Thanks, Hell Chris. yeah! No, we'll, we'll have you back anytime, man. All right, man. I'll see you again.
Fuck yeah. Alright, so you can follow us on Twitter at Heavy Hole Pod. You can follow me personally at Saunched, S A U N T C H T. Will, what you got? Uh, you can follow me at uh, AOL Instant No. <laughs> uh, you can you can follow uh, any of my bands on Facebook, man. I manage the Bookshot Facelift Facebook. Uh, I also got a Facebook page I created called Death Metal Will, just to kind of have a Facebook presence uh, for myself, man. I'm not really into having a personal Facebook page. I'm a caveman with social media, so that's it, man. You can follow my bands. You can just ask uh, ask Tom what I've been up to with the Heavy Hole, you know. All right, and Chris. Plug whatever the hell we know. Pyrexia. We love the Pyrexia. That's it. That's all there is. Pyrexia. Just find me with Pyrexia. Come see me. If it come says to- Pyrexia, it means Chris. Yeah, right? come to a show. <laughs> come give me a hug and a kiss. Yeah, go to shows. <laughs> come on. Go to shows. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right, Peace. Thank you guys. Cheers.